Osteomy Nurse Project. Hey there listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Ostomy Nurse Project. We are one week past the Stonewall Therapy Conference up in Sydney this year where I presented the Ostomy Nurse Project and I just wanted to shout out to everybody who has listened to it because in the four days that um, we were up in Sydney presenting our cases, I have had a record number of over 50 downloads ever since I presented it. So in the last couple of days, so it would be about the last 72 hours, I've had a total of 57 downloads just on the Ostomy Nurse Project episodes. So I'm very humbled and I just wanted to shout out to everybody and say thank you very much for tuning in and listening. And if you're a stoma nurse who's tuned into the Ostomy Nurse Project and you like the content that you're listening to, be sure to recommend it to your patients, uh, family and loved ones of patients, or even fellow stoma nurses or novice nurses who work in healthcare who may be a little unsure about stoma care itself and who might want to brush up on their knowledge and skills. So thanks for listening, everybody, and let's get down to another episode. This week's episode focuses on a particular post-operative condition that happens as a result of a newly formed stoma trying to heal to the skin. And it's a very unusual term that you may hear if you are a person who is about to have or has had a stoma formed. Uh, We often refer to it as what we call mucocutaneous separation, which is a big, long, fancy nursing term for describing the area where the stoma has been stitched to your skin, so where red meets your skin color, and the stitches or however they've adhered to your skin starts to pull away and it separates. And it essentially creates a wound, almost in a bit of a moat around the outside of the stoma. So the mucocutaneous junction, if you think muco, so the mucosa of your stoma, cutaneous is your skin, junction. So the point where mucosa meets your skin is the junction and sometimes complications after surgery can result in a wound creating around that area. And I'm going to talk about the the things that contribute to that or, or incidences where mucocutaneous separation happens in this podcast today and hopefully give you some insight into how we treat that problem and the signs and symptoms to look for so that you can achieve full healing in the weeks to months following your stoma surgery. And so in the previous podcast where I talked about peristomal skin complications, I deliberately left mucocutaneous separation out. And there were several reasons for that. But the main reason is I can spend a whole podcast talking about the incidences of this issue and also the fact that it tends to be a problem that occurs in the first few weeks, anywhere up to six weeks following your surgery. In terms of peristomal skin complications, it's almost more of a post-surgical wound complication as opposed to something that can occur later on in your stoma life. So that's why I kept it separate because I wanted to talk about it today as a separate issue. If you are a person who listens to our podcast and you have had your stoma for a significant amount of time, it is unlikely that you will develop mucocutaneous separation if you are well past that post-surgical recovery period. Now, when you first have a stoma formed, you are educated about how to maintain the integrity of your skin around your stoma. And this is so that your stoma appliance can stick well without leaks, so that you feel secure and that your skin is kept nice and healthy. Now, unfortunately, physical complications of stoma surgery 
can affect the ability to get a bag to stick, as we have talked about in previous episodes. And this can also make your pouching system quite complex if you have a skin condition that requires additional treatment. And that can also affect uh, a person who has a newly formed stoma's self-esteem, basically. So for a process that we're educating you that should be nice and simple so that you can master the, the process of changing your bag, Adding in a peristomal skin complication like mucocutaneous separation can be both expensive and time-consuming. Let's explain it a little bit further. When a stoma is first formed, it is sutured onto your abdominal skin. And this incision usually heals by what we call primary intention, which is where something is sutured. Two ends are brought together and stitched in place. So there's zero tissue loss in this instance. Everything is all contained and held together by stitches. Now, as I mentioned before, mucocutaneous separation is where these stitches break down and that connection between the stomal mucosa and the skin does what we call dehiscence or it breaks down and it separates. Now, rest assured, a lot of people who experience this get very worried that their stoma is going to separate fully and that they will have to have further surgery. And that's not often the case. So mucocutaneous separation typically only affects the the top layers of the skin, so the dermis and the epidermis. But unfortunately, once it separates, it creates a separate wound and we do not stitch them back together in many cases. We allow them to heal by what we call secondary intention. So if primary intention is where we bring two parts together and stitch them closed, secondary intention is a wound care term where we allow that wound to heal itself from the bottom up. And that's the natural process of tissue repair. And our bodies are very, very clever at doing that. And the catch-22 of allowing our bodies to heal that site naturally is that this separation can cause discomfort and pain, and that can also have a significant impact on the person's quality of life. You're already recovering from having a stoma, and with this added pain and discomfort from the stitches that have separated, that can cause a lot of distress. But what I want to reassure you with today is the fact that even though we're allowing this wound to heal on its own, us stoma nurses are very, very crafty and we have ways and means of keeping that wound protected and covered so that it's not exposed to stoma output and that it is maintaining an ideal wound environment for it to heal naturally. And we're very well versed at doing that and we can teach patients or those of you who have a stoma formed, how to manage that yourself in many cases, right up until that area is healed up, and then you can eventually resume your normal pouching regime. Now, mucocutaneous separation, I should just stop calling it that. I'm just going to abbreviate it and call it MCJ separation or separation in itself. But this problem can manifest in several ways. So you may only develop a degree of mucocutaneous separation. So you may only have a small area on one side or the other side of your stoma. And that's where when stoma nurses or nurses are assessing the degree of separation, we use it like a clock face. So if you do happen to have an area of mucocutaneous separation, we would suggest in our notes or in our assessment whereabouts that is located. So say for instance, 
um, you would have mucocutaneous separation at 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock, which would indicate that there are two areas of superficial separation uh, that may need to be treated. Conversely, you can also get what we call circumferential separation, which is where the full area around the stoma separates from those stitches and you get a what as I said earlier like a moat of wounding around that stoma and there is no sutured areas that are still intact and that's circumferential separation and that carries with it a few increased risks which I'm going to talk about in a minute but let's focus on the causes or how somebody might develop this separation around their stoma in the immediate stages after their stoma formation this problem often results from issues with the surgical formation of the stomacide itself. One of the initial reasons for that could be excessive tension on the newly formed stoma and the tissue that it's sitting in. Depending on the reasons for you having your stoma formed, the abdomen may be very distended, it may be very swollen, and it may be very difficult to pull up a piece of your bowel onto the skin because of that swelling. And when they suture that stoma in place onto your abdomen, there is a tendency for the swelling to put additional pressure on those stitches. And with enough pressure, that tension can cause a stretching effect around that junction, and that can cause those sutures to separate. We can also see excessive tension in abdomens that are on very large people. So um, those who are obese or those with larger abdomens, often also in males who tend to store fats in their abdominal area as opposed to ladies. Ladies can get it too. But a very thick abdominal wall can make it very difficult to pull a piece of bowel through and suture it to the superficial part of the skin. And that also brings us to the fact that we look at in inadequate mobilization of the bowel in these operations, which can also cause tension. But obesity and having a larger abdominal area is a risk factor for putting tension on that newly formed stoma and it can separate. And depending on the extent of that separation, the stoma can retract and pull back in and can separate from those sutures because there is a very thick abdominal wall that it needs to be pulled through and the supporting structures around that if you've got a very large deposit of fatty tissue underneath um, stomas and, and sutures don't adhere and or don't stick very well to fatty areas so the tension and the thickness of the abdominal wall can cause mucocutaneous separation if you are a person who has a very large abdomen inadequate mobilization of the bowel talks about the fact that if the bowel is particularly diseased or if you have had um, initial bowel surgery further down in the pelvis, the formation of a temporary stoma, for instance, a loop ileostomy, um, can require a lot of stretching or mobilizing of the bowel so that it moves freely up through the abdomen and out that hole so that it can be stitched to your skin. Now, unfortunately, if there's too much tension uh, or if there's too short of an area on that re remaining bowel that you've had operated on, being able to pull a section of your bowel up through the skin can be very difficult for a lot of surgeons. So inadequate mobilization of the bowel or not being able to release it from the inner abdomen 
can also cause separation. And we do sometimes see that, especially in patients who have inflammatory bowel diseases where there's a lot of scar tissue. People who have had many, many previous bowel surgeries where there's lots of scar tissue or what we call adhesions, and they can stick the bowel to other areas in the body. And if they are not separated or mobilized properly, that can make the bowel very difficult to pull through onto the skin. And that's another reason where we might see some mucocutaneous separation. Infection is another issue where we might see some separation. Now, we don't see a lot of infections around the mucocutaneous junction, but unfortunately they can happen for many different reasons. And if you do get an infection around that area, that can cause inflammation of the tissues where those stitches are. And inflammation can lead to breakdown and creation of a wound because if inflammation puts too much pressure on those sutures, that can cause that area to bust open essentially and separate, creating that wound. And the same goes for necrosis of the stomal tissue. Sometimes, and this is a completely separate issue that you'll probably listen to in another podcast um, away in the future, but necrosis of tissue, if you have an infection or if you have inadequate blood supply to the bowel, you can develop what we call ischemia or necrosis, which is where part of the tissue dies and it becomes dark and dusky or black because there's not enough adequate blood supply to keep that area oxygenated. And unfortunately, with necrosis or necrotic tissue, it's not viable and it starts to break down. And again, if that breakdown happens, there's nothing for the sutures to grab hold of and it will continue to separate and it will create that wound that we know of. There's also some suggestions that an oversized opening or what we call a trephine in the skin when they cut the hole to bring your stoma through may lead to mucocutaneous separation. So if the hole that they cut to bring your bowel through is a lot bigger than the uh, diameter of your bowel lumen, that's going to stretch that stoma open and that can cause tension as well. But we tend not to see that occurring these days with vastly improved surgical techniques um, in forming stomas. But it is a complication that can happen in some cases. Now, additionally, there is also uh, quite a bit of evidence or studies that have looked at whether an appliance system, so a pouching appliance that is too tight or too firm in the immediate post-operative phase can cause mucocutaneous separation. And it's been studied quite extensively and there was a big debate when we first introduced convexity or convex bags because they were all very rigid and very firm. And there was a concern that it was putting undue pressure around the stoma site and especially that delicately healing mucocutaneous junction. Now, as the years have gone by, there's been lots of argument back and forth as to whether it has caused that. And the jury is really out on that with newer types of convexity coming through. So soft convexity, shallow convexity, um, and improved techniques with pouching. There's no suggested evidence to confirm that convexity is a direct cause of mucocutaneous separation. But there's certainly a lot of debate over whether that can cause undue pressure around the stoma and it may lead to mucocutaneous separation. So that's an ongoing issue that we talk about in the stoma nursing world and and the evidence still comes out and it's still being discussed to this day. Now also there's certain innate factors. So 
person-centered factors that may cause um, mucocutaneous separation. And these are things like severely malnourished people, people who are very, very ill, people who have inflammatory bowel disease who have been on long-term steroid therapy in the weeks leading up to their stoma formation. Diabetes and other uh, comorbidities can also contribute to the development of this separation because it is like a wound. If you are predisposed to developing wounds or at risk for developing wounds for whatever condition that you have, the same is true for the wound around your stoma. And you will also be at risk of developing separation based on your comorbidities if you're not well enough to heal that skin adequately. Now, when we as stoma nurses are assessing a patient who has mucocutaneous separation, there's no official assessment tool or criteria, I suppose, to categorize the, the level of your separation. But as I spoke to you about before, we can have superficial separation, which is where just the top layer of skin is separated from the bowel. We can have um, medial or intermediate separation where that goes right down to the epidermis and then we can have deep separation which is what I talked about before where we speak about full thickness or circumferential separation and that's right down through the dermis and the epidermis so that the bowel is fully separated around. Now I say that but it doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things because the treatment is largely the same. We have to protect that periwound area and prevent it from becoming contaminated with fecal output or urine output so that it can heal like a normal wound would. Now, if we don't employ proper wound care techniques to allow that area to heal naturally, some people who have had mucocutaneous separation can go on to have related stoma care problems. And these problems can include things like overgranulation of that tissue. So as it's trying to heal with constant growth of new cells, um, being exposed to inflammatory products like fecal output or urine output, they can stimulate the overgrowth of new tissue. And what can happen is they can either go on to develop what we call granulomas or they can do what we call hyperproliferate, where they grow larger or wider or above where the stoma naturally sits. And that can cause a lot of pain and discomfort. It can cause bleeding in many cases, and that can require secondary treatment, either via cauterization or chemical cauterization with some silver nitrate from a stomal therapy nurse or a health professional to bring that overgrowth tissue back to a normal plane so that you can do your pouching properly without complications. Now also in very severe cases or very deep retraction of a stoma with circumferential separation, if the stoma gets buried too deep in that wound, as it tries to heal by secondary intention, you run a very high risk of developing what we call stomal stenosis which is where the wound itself essentially closes up over the top of that stoma. And that creates a lot of difficulty. Um, the stoma cannot function properly. It cannot evacuate. And it creates a lot of pain, infections, and it can even be as severe to create things like constipation because the bowel can't evacuate effectively because the hole that is grown over the top of that stoma is too small to allow anything through. 
And often in those very severe cases, patients who have had this problem have to go on to have secondary procedures or a refashioning of their stoma to create a proper, flat, secure plane so that their stomas can function effectively. But these are very severe cases of what can happen if mucocutaneous separation is very deep and is not treated effectively early on. So how do we heal these wounds when we are first reviewing you when you're in hospital or if you've just been discharged from having a new stoma formed and you happen to notice that there is some mucocutaneous separation or if your stoma nurse has told you that you have a degree of mucocutaneous separation? The answer to that is there's several different ways that we can treat it. And sometimes it depends on the severity of the separation as well as the depth of the separation and how much it's going to impact on your pouching regime and your skin around your stoma and how we predict that it may heal. So initially, if the separation is somewhat superficial, so it's only affecting the top layer of your skin, so that's what we would consider mild separation, we will sometimes recommend the use of a stoma powder. Now, if you've heard of me talk in the Ozdominus episode about stoma accessories or the Accessorize This episode, I mentioned that stoma powder is a little bottle of hydrocolloid powder. So it's essentially exactly the same ingredients as what's in your ostomy appliances, so the sticky part of your bag, but it's just been dried out to an extent that it turns into a powder. So when you sprinkle or puff or apply powder to the red or weeping areas of separation the powder will stick to the areas that are moist and wounded and when you either blow or brush away the excess that hydrocolloid powder will create a very fine crust over the top of that wound you can then resume your normal application of your bags and that should theoretically keep that area protected assuming that you've cut your bag and sized it properly around your stoma, it should keep it protected so that it heals by secondary intention, which is healing naturally on its own. Now, if that separation happens to go a bit deeper, so affecting the dermis and the epidermis, or some sort of intermediate separation in you know, perhaps different spots around the stoma junction, we may upgrade that to using something like perhaps a stoma paste. And again, stoma paste, if you've heard me speak about it, is almost like a powder and it's almost like a hydrocolloid sheet. The difference is it's the same ingredients, but it's had a certain degree of fluid applied to it to mix it around and make it like a gel-like paste or a putty type paste. And we can pipe that substance into that separated area and that paste will do the same thing. It will maintain moist wound healing but it will also fill that gap so that that cavity doesn't fill up with effluent, so feces or urine, when your stoma is active. And it will allow that wound to heal from the bottom up. We can also use powder and paste in certain circumstances if we assessed that issue and we felt that it was necessary to use both. Now in the case of full thickness separation and sometimes in circumferential separation, there's a large moat of wounded tissue that we need to protect. And so sometimes powder and paste may not essentially protect that area. So we may need to add on additional accessories or products to help protect that peri-wound area. And that can be either, again, powder or paste. We may choose to fill that gap 
and then cover it with a stoma seal, which I've also talked about. Again, hydrocolloid-based, but it creates a protective ring over the top of that. And that's often very good at leveling out the stomal plane, so creating a nice flat surface. Because with mucocutaneous separation, it creates an uneven wound around the stoma. And that can be implicated in things like suffering leakages and getting your appliance not sticking properly. So we have to create a flat, even plane underneath your stoma appliance so that you get good adhesion and security without leaks. So that's where we might choose to, depending on the depth of your separation, when we assess it, we may choose to fill that moat or that depth with either powder or paste or certain wound care products to keep it moist. And we may choose to cover that with a seal before we apply your pouching system to create a level surface. And they are just some of the stoma-based products that are available on the stoma appliance scheme that we utilize to treat mucocutaneous separation. Now in certain severe cases or for mucocutaneous separation that has very heavy weeping or exudate, we can upgrade to using certain wound products. So these might be things like hydrofibers, um, hydrogels to fix sloughy areas or mucky, yucky areas. Or we might even choose to use certain foams or wound dressings to help plug that area and keep it well protected from stoma output. But quite often, as is the case when we see a, a person who has mucocutaneous separation, we can usually get by with just our stoma accessories. And then in that way, we can teach you to use that same regime when you go home, if you've still got that separation, and you can continue that process until that wound heals up and turns into a nice formed stoma without any separation around the outside. Okay. One of the things that commonly comes up in discussion between stoma nurses um, and healthcare workers or people who are looking after stomas is how to cut the hole of your stoma appliance to help heal mucocutaneous separation. So some nurses choose to cover this area with the appliance, um, as I've just spoken about. So you would put your powder or your paste or your seal or whatever you need to fill that area or cover that area. And then you would put your normal pouching appliance cut to the right size of your stoma over the top to cover that full area of mucocutaneous separation. Now, others choose to include that separation within that cut hole, okay? Now, the jury's out on this one again because either treatment option results in healing because both do promote a good environment for wound healing. As long as you've got that area covered um, with, say, your powder or your pastes, you could cut the appliance slightly bigger to accommodate that. But what we don't want you to do is to simply cut your appliance to fit over that cavity without any protection. Some people think that if you cut the bag to fit the size of the separation, you are protecting from leakage, which is true. Yes, and we agree that that does happen because if you can contain everything around that wound, then you will get an effective seal. But unfortunately, it doesn't help the wound to heal in a timely manner because you are constantly becoming exposed 
to fecal or urinary output, which causes delays in the natural wound healing process. So that can be quite difficult. And so what we tend to advocate for is making sure that the stoma size, the size of the piece of bowel itself, is what size you should be cutting out of your pouch. The rest of the separation should be covered by one of the accessory products or several of the accessory products that I've just mentioned. And then the appliance can go over the top and that should create an adequate coverage so that that wounded area can heal up. Now we also recognize that that's sometimes not the case and we sometimes have to pick our demons depending on the severity of that separation. In some cases, the bowel is so far retracted that no amount of covering or packing or, you know, fixing that area of separation is going to prevent from leaks. So sometimes we do have to cut bigger and we do have to cut to the size of the separation. It's sometimes the lesser of two evils and we do recognize that. But it's important at the end of the day to recognize that it is a wound that requires healing. And so as much as we can keep it covered, we do strive to protect that delicate tissue that's trying to heal from the bottom up. And that's the methods that we use to keep it covered and protect it and promote healing. Now, it's also very important in these initial stages after your surgery for stoma nurses and healthcare professionals to recognize how important nutrition is in this phase. When you have a wound, any wound, stoma or no stoma, it's important to look at the person's ability to have the natural nutrients in their bodies that can be used to heal that tissue. Now, that includes things like protein, calcium, vitamin C, zinc, all of these things contribute to positive wound healing. So if you have a patient that is very malnourished or has been incredibly sick leading up to their stoma formation, we should be able to recognize that they are at increased risk of delayed wound healing because they simply don't have enough nutritional input to heal that tissue or grow new tissue and heal around that area. Which is why also nowadays when we create stomas, we start feeding people and getting you mobilizing very quickly because we want you to have that nutrition on board to heal that area that's initially stitched. And so that's why we often recommend having adequate nutrition when you have your stoma formed so that you can heal well from the inside and out. So what happens when you're ready to go home? Quite often, if you have a degree of mucocutaneous separation, it's not going to miraculously heal in the seven to 10 days or around that time that you're in hospital with a stoma nurse. So as I said earlier, what we often do is teach the person with the stoma, the regime, we teach them to apply these products themselves. And if we recognize that this process is too distressing, or if the patient doesn't necessarily have the means or the ability to perform that wound care technique themselves, we may choose to implement either a carer or some a friend or a loved one who can do that process for them as part of their regime. Or in certain circumstances, we can look at arranging district or community nurses or other health professionals that can come in and assist you for that time to help heal that wound. Because it's a distressing time, mucocutaneous separation can be really upsetting for some people. It, it's 
you know, physically and psychologically traumatic enough to deal with the fact that you have a new stoma. When healing doesn't necessarily go to plan and you have a small complication like, you know, superficial, intermediate or deep separation around the stoma, it can damage your confidence and you may feel overwhelmed by the additional steps to help heal that wound. And if you're not capable of doing it or if you don't feel confident in doing it, then that can lead to appliance failure. You may not be adequately pouching your stoma properly and that can cause you even more distress. And that can spiral and and compound on top of one another. And that can make it very difficult for people to accept the initial idea of a stoma itself. And so it's inevitably important that your stoma nurse recognizes your limitations and your abilities to care for your stoma and your separation if you do happen to have some and to recommend the most uh, adequate and available and suitable and appropriate products that you may be able to use yourself, that somebody may be able to assist you with, or that ongoing care with healthcare professionals may be able to come in and supplement for you until that area has healed. All right, well, that pretty much sums up everything to do with mucocutaneous separation. In general, it's a problem that does heal on its own with the assistance of some additional products to help keep that area protected from stoma output. And your stoma nurse will recognize it nice and early and will either educate you to treat it or will engage other people who can take on that care for you if you can't do it yourself. If you are at home after having a newly formed stoma and you do happen to notice that the sutures or the area where the stoma meets the skin is starting to separate and you have a concern, if it wasn't something that occurred initially in hospital, do get in touch with your stoma therapy nurse because we can recommend techniques and products that can help to heal that area in a timely manner and have a look at your pouching system and make sure that you're still going to get a good seal with security, without leaks, so that you can live a normal and happy stoma life. So in next week's episode, we're going to be looking at parastomal hernias. I'm going to do the hernia talk, which is the battle of the bulge, realizing that you have a lump underneath your stoma, no matter the stoma type. We're going to be talking about that quite extensively, how they happen, how we treat them, if at all, and what to do if you happen to recognize that you're getting a little bit of a lump beside your stoma. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like the content that you're listening to, feel free to rate me on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, which we're all available on. Our podcasting host site is Podbean for anybody who downloads that and listens to podcasts through there. You can also leave a review and tell me if you like the content. Tell me if there's anything that you want to hear in the future, if it's not already on my list. But otherwise, take care. You've been listening to the Ozdomy Nurse Project coming to you from down under because that's where your stoma is. See you next week.